Amen. Would y'all pray with me? Lord, I pray that we would live that song, that we would see the beauty, that it is not uh, a duty um, to be a Christian or come to church or love you, but we'd see the beauty. And that would not just provoke, but make us respond over and over again uh, in love to one another and in, in going out to the world and in, in speaking and living for you. And that those wouldn't just be catchphrases or Christianese, but it would uh, it'd be real. It'd be real in real lives that you really love forever and ever. Thank you for this day that we can celebrate. Continue to go with us in the service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Thanks to our worship team for leading us again. Uh, as I said earlier, it's going to be a longer service. But hey, if you're out this summer, we need a double dose. So... Uh, I know I do. I was out a lot. Anyway, so we've got a video from our Honduras trip that we want to share. And this has been now tradition three years going, not to do a video, but to, uh, but to kind of sing. You'll see it. But to show you that this, uh, this trip is a lot of fun. And I would say this past year, the team, uh, who many of the team is here to see this. Uh, many college students are in this that are going back this week. Uh, it was a blast. It was a great team, and we want to grow on that for next year, so I hope uh, and believe that a lot of folks will see this and hear about it and say, hey, sign me up for next year. But anyway, without further ado, check this out. So really good stuff, uh, or at least we thought it was really good stuff. It's really probably bad stuff, but uh, it, was, uh, it was fun. I want to thank specifically Alex Duckworth. Where's Alex? Alex, where are you? Is Alex here? Alex, here. Oh, there, Alex. She did a great job. She idea for the song and choreographed everything, so it was, it was really good and, and really fun. You will, uh, we may have it again one Sunday, but it is on our website. There's a YouTube link, so it'll be on the YouTube page if you want to see it again. Okay, let's, uh, let's look into the Bible a little bit. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, as, as our kids go out. I'm going to be skipping around some. Uh, and let me say this real quick. Next week, we will start a three-part series uh, that is, uh, that's very important in the life of the church. We call it Pillars, that there are three pillars that hold us together. Yet today, we're going to close a summer series that we've been calling How We Are Saved. How We Are Saved. And if you've been tracking with us through the summer, uh, and it's okay, many of us probably have not, but there's been an order to the sermons I would love for you to at least even, I don't know, go back on the podcast, check out the order, because it's a specific order about how we are saved. And we started early in June, and we talked about something happens before, that God does something before even we're born, and that's biblical. Uh, We talked about you have to hear the gospel at some point in your life. Uh, We talked about there's a change that the Holy Spirit and the grace of Jesus does in you, that makes you a new person. That change gives you faith. It's not the faith that makes the change in you, but the grace, Ephesians 2, you're saved by grace through faith. The grace happens, that gives you faith. That gives you the ability to repent. Repent means going to God, confessing sin, saying you're sorry, but not just to God, to another person too. Then we talked about being made right by Jesus, that 
It's nothing we do that makes us right. It's Jesus. Then we talked about growing because once salvation happens, then you grow. Salvation doesn't end. It continues as you grow in sanctification. And then last week we talked about that nothing can make you lose that, that God will continue to hold you as you persevere, as we persevere through good times and bad, on to today what we call glory. Glory. And this whole series really has been based on one verse, Romans 8.30. I want to put it up on screen, Romans 8.30. And it says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Salvation happens in a moment when Christ begins to dwell in your heart. It also happens over a lifetime. And that's what we have tried to highlight. How are we saved in a moment, but it is also a lifetime. Now, there are three big fears that I have seen a lot of young folks. You know, I I love young folks in high school. I'm lucky enough to teach high school students, get to know them as they go to college. But there, there are three big fears that young folks, but also us older folks, are afraid of. So it's not just when you're 20, it happens when you're 40 and 60 and elsewhere. One is this fear of of not finding yourself. This fear of, you know, well, I've I've got to find my call, I've got to find my destiny. You hear that more from young people, but it also happens, again, with us old folks too. Christianity has an answer to that. The best way I can paraphrase it is by saying, your life now is an internship for life and eternity. Let me say that again. I really believe this. Your earthly life is an internship for your eternal life. So I believe there are no accidents in Christianity. I believe, you know, where you were born and when you were born, no accidents there. I believe your relationships. I believe broken relationships, no accidents there. God uses it all. God knits it together. This life is a preparation for the life to come. We're going to see that a little bit more in the Bible, just not... My words. Uh, another fear, big time fear, big time. I call it FOMO. Anybody know what FOMO is? I want to say it? F-O-M-O? Fear of missing out. Can I get an amen? amen? I mean, we'll miss out on relationships. We'll miss out on that party. We'll miss out on that trip. We just missed out in Honduras, some of you may be thinking. And I, I missed out on, and like I said, I missed out on today's service. Hey, I missed out, you know, we miss out. Hope you don't say, I missed out on that guy or that girl that could have been my spouse. Please don't say that, okay? Because you didn't. You really didn't. But there's this fear of missing out. In Jesus Christ, there is an answer. In Christianity, there's an answer. You miss out on nothing. You miss out on nothing in the earthly life, but also in the heavenly life. Because we'll see the glory of the heavenlies. You say, I miss out on travel. No, you won't. You're going to see such grand creations. We'll see such grand creations in the heavens and the heavens on earth. We'll miss out. In Jesus, you miss out on nothing. And then the last big fear for all of us is this little thing called death. thing called death. Actually, and I didn't know this, it's the number two fear, you know, generally in American society. The first fear is, anybody want to take a guess? Fear of public speaking, number one. I don't know, fear of public speaking. And then it's death. I was like, okay. Anyway, so death, is, death gets a silver medal. Well, we can all be afraid of like, you know, that, that those three combined. Like, hey, I won't find myself and I'll miss out and then we die. 
uh, in Christianity, you won't miss out, in Christianity, this life is a preparation. I want to put another verse up on screen before we go to 1 Corinthians 15. Look at this. This is what the Bible says. Ecclesiastes. Okay? If we believe the Bible, and we do. Ecclesiastes 7, one. Look at this. A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death than the day of birth. I just say, wow. I mean, to me, it's, that's the Bible. And I believe all of the Bible. Not just the New Testament. You know, not just David in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I believe it all. And it says here, and I believe it in Christianity, the day of death is better than the day of birth. We talk about glory today. Uh, glory. And I want to quickly, I'm going to go through a lot of scripture. So if, if you're like, man, I just kind of, I'm a, I'm a one verse shop. Uh, forgive me. But uh, you need to see this. And I want to talk about the glory of the earthly, the glory of the heavenly, and the glory of Jesus. Okay? The glory of the earthly. 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to skip around in it. The glory of the earthly, the here and now, your body, your life, on earth, this earth. Read verse 35 through 41. Look what Paul writes. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. Let's stop right there. Again, we're talking today about glory. And here Paul is saying that there is a glory to the earthly, to the created things. There's glory of the creator, God, but like your body, and we all think our body is not perfect. Amen? Thank you, Neil. Amen? Amen. Amen. I mean, my, you know, and... But there is a glory to it, the way God has formed you, that Paul says right here. He's going into this, and, and 1 Corinthians 15 is, is really one of the greatest writings on the resurrection, the resurrected body. But Paul starts with the earthly, with the body here and now. And he says, your body is like, verse 30 says, it's like a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. God gives, and I'm going to substitute you for it here, it's like God gives you a body, as he has chosen. So hair color, going gray early, you know, height, all these things that we want to change. God gives you a body as he's chosen. And then to each kind of seed its own body. But then he goes on, verse 40, there's a glory of the heavenly and a glory of the earthly. And then I want to read verse 58. Okay, so I'm skipping around. Paul says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's one of my favorite verses. I read that because after the passage we just read, he starts going into the resurrection and the glory of the heavenlies, which we'll talk about, and the glory of new heavens and new earth, and the glory of rising again, which we really believe. And Paul's saying, your real body is going to rise. So it's not just a spiritual deal. 
But then he comes back to the earthly in verse 58 of what you do and how you live right now. He says, you're going to rise again, but right now matters. Be steadfast in challenges, immovable, not wavering, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. I say all these things because we have this, we really have this fixation on death. And we, we fear, I fear, death. And here's the truth of it. And I would just say this. Those who are truly living really know that they're truly dying. You understand me there? Because the greatest battle that we face as Christians is not a battle against fame, you know, like wanting to be known, riches, wanting to make money and things and idol, sex in all its different ways now that society is showcasing. The greatest idol we battle is that we want to be immortal without God. It's the greatest battle everybody faces. Because we're always vying for immortality, fearing death, and all, you know, we want to be known, we want to live forever, and we fear this death, it will cut off. But as Christians, we know death is a reality. But I, I love this, this idea that those who are truly living know they're truly dying. Unless the Lord returns, and we believe He will, but there will be this newfound glory, and there's a glory to the here and now. So if you really get the glory of the earthly, that God made you for a purpose, that you will live on forever in a new body, in a new world, but that death is real, then what do we do? I got some suggestions. And that video was actually one suggestion, but I want to read a list of things. What do you do? How do you truly live when you know you're truly dying? Here's some real practical stuff, okay? Ride a bike. See the Grand Canyon. Go to the theater. Learn to make music. Visit the sick. Care for the dying. Cook a meal. Feed the hungry. Watch a movie. Read a book. Laugh with some friends until it makes you cry. Play football. Run a marathon, if you can. Write a letter. Play with your kids. Spend your money. Learn a new language. Plan a church. Start a school. Speak about Jesus Christ. Travel to somewhere you've never been. Adopt a child. Give away your fortune and then some. Shape someone else's life by laying down your own. We're in a rat race to live forever. And Christians, we know death is a reality. But there's a glory to this time on earth. And do you grasp it? And it's not living for the day. It's living for others and living for Jesus. Because we know there's a glory of the heavenly. And I want to get into that now. The glory of the heavenly. Verse 42, 1 Corinthians 15. We talked about the glory of the earthly. And Paul's talking about that too. But the glory of the heavenly. Look at this. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. 
If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Stop right there and say, okay, so what's he saying right there? It's actually really, really simple. He says, like Adam, we're gonna have this, we, we have this natural body. And then Jesus came like Adam. The Son of God became flesh to save us. And then Jesus was raised from the dead. And that if we have union with Christ, and some of you do, some of you don't, just saying, you have union with Christ, then one day our body is going to be like his. Because you say, well, wait a second, it says natural body, then spiritual body. So that would mean like we die and, and our spirits go to heaven. Yes, but when he returns, our bodies will raise too. And the literal meaning here in the Greek of this word spiritual, it literally means a spirit indwell, like Holy Spirit indwelled natural body, like new body. Was the tomb empty, yes or no? Yeah, thank you, Was the tomb, I want everybody, was the tomb empty, yes or no? Yes. Yes, okay. So where was Jesus' body? Not in the tomb. He went back up to heaven. Paul's saying the same thing that happened to Jesus will happen to us, the glory of the heavenly body. A new body. A fully spirit-indwelled new body for the heavens and the earth. And then, you know, I got to go to this passage, you know, forgive me, I'm skipping around, but Revelation 21 because you're like, well, what's the, what do we do with this new body? I mean, you know, this, you know, this Mac Daddy or beautiful GQ body. Because it'll be, it'll be the best body you can imagine. You know, your, your best body now. I mean, you will get it, okay? You'll get it. Glory. Glory of the heavenly. So like, what do we do? Just like sit on a cloud and sing or, you know, no. I always say like this. The Bible begins in a garden. It ends in a city. The heavens and earth will unite. And a, there's a city, Revelation talks about, that we will live in. Call the New Jerusalem. You see at the end of the Bible, Revelation 21. I, I want to read this to you because I want you to know these things or at least begin and maybe the Holy Spirit will pique your curiosity. Like, I'd kind of like to know more about that. Revelation 21, verse 22. Look what John writes. If you're in Christ, you have union with him, this, this is your future. If you're living in this city. And I always say, if you don't like cities, you may not like heaven. But anyway, or heavens and earth. I mean, for real. Verse 22, he says, I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine out. Look at this. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of earth will bring there, there's that word again, glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it, again, the glory and the honor of the nations Nothing unclean will enter into it, nor anything, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is a glimpse of, if you have a union in Christ, your future. Living in a city, and the glory of God gives light. And this thing about the glory of nations, actually a lot has been written about that. What's this glory of nations, the glory? And many tie that verse, look, track with me, to 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, which we read. As in like the, the good things that you do, the people you minister to, 
will carry on into heaven. So it's kind of this idea that some of the things that you don't even see here in the glory of the earthly, you'll see in the glory of the heavenly. And like, wow, you know, I made an impact in that life. Or wow, I made an impact here. Never knew this. And so you bring it. So what happens on earth matters in heaven. You tracking with me here? That's why there's a glory of the earthly and a glory of the heavenly. And so your life now, your life today, your living, breathing life and relationships will matter in the heavenlies. And we will be together. The, uh, there's a great book. I'm going to paraphrase it. I love C.S. Lewis, but I love Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, it's a great story. And the last book's not my favorite, but the last really page is, um, I think it's some of the most awesome. And it doesn't reveal anything. So if you went and picked up the last battle, that's book seven, Chronicles of Narnia, and read the last page. It's just, he just writes in this beautiful way about the beginning. He calls it, you know, it's the end of what they know, but it's the beginning of what we don't know. You know, and I did a funeral, unfortunately, a couple years ago, and it was a buddy that I had hung with, grew up with, uh, partied with, you know, a lot before pre-pastor. Um, he got into a dark place, drugs, uh, took his life. So it really is tough, you know, when you're asked to do a funeral, um, somebody's taking their life. And now I knew he was a believer, and unfortunately we had lost touch, and he had moved into a darker uh, arena with drugs, and his mind was gone. And You know, I was like, so what do I, you know, I mean, in my mind, you know, what do I say? And we had done a lot of camping, hiking, just big outdoorsmen, hunting, uh, some fishing. We always talked about God a lot. I mean, I, I knew he was a believer, and then drugs just totally, you know, fried his, his mind. Took his life. And so the Lord put on my heart to read the last um, uh, part of the last page, the last paragraph of this, the, la- the last battle, C.S. Lewis. Because it talks about, and he just really, he gives us this picture, because three of the children from the beginning, which is interesting, there were four, if you know Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and only three made it in the end. It's very interesting. Three made it at the end, and they were, they had met Aslan again, and Aslan was showing them this land, and it was beautiful, and it talked about you know, the grandeur of these mountains and, and, like, waterfalls. And then the kids said, like, well, there's our house where we grew up. And, and then it almost, like, became more beautiful. And, oh, there's, like, London, and there's the train station. And then it became, like, more beautiful. And, and what Lewis was trying to do was show this ideal that the heavens and the earth were uniting as one place. And then they were like, well, what's happened to us, Aslan? And he said, don't you realize it now? That you've moved past in what you humans call death. And so now, he said, the real adventure begins. And they're like, oh, you know, and, and they, they woke up this new reality. And then, then it says that Aslan... Sorry, I love this. <laughs> love this sentence. That Aslan no longer looked like a lion. It's Jesus. And then it, he went on that from that moment forward, you know, every days were not even days, but every moment was better than the next. And then, kind of as an epilogue, Lewis says, 
you know, this is the end of these books, but it's really the preface and the table of contents for this greater life that will never, ever end. So I always go back to that thinking about, you know, death. We see it as a finality. And so for my brother, whose funeral I did, I said, you know, we have been able to hike mountains and go places and fish, but it does not compare to what we will experience in the glory of the heavenlies. It does not compare. And so there is a glory to the heavenlies, and it's glory. It's glory. Glory is a good word. And this earth, there's glory, but it doesn't compare. We can look forward to that. I want to close just with this. Like, where does it begin and never end? In Jesus. We've got to come back to Jesus. And one of the passage, and this is the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, because you have to know this. This is where it starts. Because I said, some of you have union with Christ. I do believe some of you don't. And I'm here that we would all be in Christ. Not just Christianese, not just Sunday school answer, but like real deal. And those things, those suggestions I meant to go see the Grand Canyon or speak of Christ or plant a church or start a school or go to the theater or watch a movie. I mean, to live in Christ. Like it's good. Like that video you saw, it's fun. There is a joy in Jesus. It's not duty, it's beauty. Verse 3, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I deliver to you as of first importance what I received that Jesus Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me, and I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, and I love this earth, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. It begins and never ends in Jesus Christ. And so I'd say to you, what, what is glory in your mind? I love the Olympics. Olympic nut. Linda's like, we had a hard time in July, and you're going to be up till midnight every night watching Olympics. Yep, yep, next two weeks, yep. The Olympic glory, you know, you hear that? The Olympic glory, what is that? It's victory? That's, that's a great story of how someone tried and overcame obstacles and, and wins or even just gives a good time or makes the Olympic, Olympic glory. You, you hear a lot of that. What's glory? Glory moves us. You're moved. And how do you know if you're in Christ, if you have a union with Christ? You don't just believe in Jesus and say it. You're moved by what he's done. Like it, You see the beauty of it. You're moved like, wow, he, he died for me? As this verse says, he died for my sins. He stood in my place to, to give life. You know, it's called the great exchange. Jesus took what we deserve and we get what he deserves. We have life. Life here, glory of the earthly, glory of the heavenly. You know, what, what would make you, you know, what would make you go to an enemy or one who would persecute you and not just forgive them but love them? That's beautiful. That's That's glory. What makes that happen? Jesus. What makes one say, I'm going to lay my life down, not that I know when I'm going to die, but for others. What makes one say, I'm going to, I'm going to serve this community. It's a lot of broken people, but I'm going to serve this community, which means like 
People have differences and different likes and dislikes, but God's called me to this place and I'm going to serve here some way. What makes a person say, I'm going to go to the world, which might mean uh, going to Ignite, Heart of David Camp. We're, we're going to hear more testimonies, which might, which might mean going to Honduras, which might mean going to India, which might mean just, just like talking about Jesus at work. What makes a person do that? It's not duty, it's beauty. Like you see something, that's, you see the glory of God in Jesus. And you're like, I want to live in that. I want to be united with that. Hear me, it's not duty. It's beauty, it's glory. So I want to close really with a challenge, okay? And I'm going to call, I am going to call for a response, okay? Don't often do it, and don't worry, next week communion will be here, and so, you know, you can come up and pray, you know, and not, you know, somebody's like, I'm kind of awkward, people are going to look, well, you know, who's, their, their life, you know, things have hit the fan, you know, so he's going up to pray or she's going up to pray. No. I want to say, like, if you feel the Spirit nudge you, like, I'm not calling you to, to, to go to the ends of the earth. God might be. I'm not, but if you feel it nudged, like, you might say, I have questions about this. You might say, I can kind of sense this, this beauty, and it's, it's not a duty thing. Come to the altar. If you have this nudge, say, you know, I want to do more here. You know, I've, I've walked with Bellwether and, you know, probably gotten a little comfortable with the building, and I'm here, I'm kind of nudged. Come to the altar. I mean, I, I want to be here. I want the elders to, to be around, but come to the altar, and you're like, the altars are kind of short. We got steps, too. We got steps, too. I mean, you could, like, kneel on steps. I like, I like to, you know, we're starting a school year. I said the service is going to be a little longer today. Like, could you make a, a, a deeper commitment, not to a church, to Jesus? But then if Jesus calls you to the church, you say, I want to, I want to commit here more. Like, well, what's the commitment, you know? Well, one, if you haven't been baptized, you have two weeks. I'd love to see you baptized. Or at least say, hey, I'm kind of curious, and we talk to you about it. Or if you've been baptized, you're like, you know, I'm kind of just treading water. It's a wonderful opportunity to start in a group. Or just, like, show it up more to worship. You know? Amen? Amen? Or it could be like, you know, I really, I want to go to nations. I want to go to neighbors. Like, if you feel a nudge, then it's not just like a, a duty, well, we got to come to church, and, oh, i got a few buddies or a few girlfriends that I can kind of visit with. Like, if you just feel a nudge, then just come forward. Now, it's, no, it's no big deal. Just respond to the Lord. If you don't want to come forward, then I'm going to challenge you even more. Could you kneel in your seat and, like, pray in your seat? If you don't want anybody, you know, could you do that? Could you just respond somehow? And you're like, well, I'm just not like a physical type person. Okay, I get it. But some of you, like, you need to take a step. And so the worship team is going to come up and play one of my favorite old classic songs, Hosanna. Amen. Hosanna. And so there are opportunities to grow. There are opportunities to start. And some of you need to start. Some of you need to renew it. And could you make this Sunday like a day, like we end in glory. You get nudged. I want to see a little bit more of the glory. Even though I'm a Christian, I want to see a bit more of the glory. Could you, could you just come forward? And I'm not saying pray with me or pray with anybody. Just come forward and pray that the Lord would do more, that the Lord would reveal clearly in your heart and clearly in this church the next step. Let's start by praying together. Heavenly Father, I do pray people would respond. Uh, it, it's not to me or any person or a, 
or a, or a plug or like get involved. That's, that's not, it's just saying, God, I want more of you when I can see you and even when I can't. And God, I pray, whether it's today or another day, that, that many altars will be filled in many churches by people responding. And I know that sometimes you don't give us the map, but you do give us steps with churches and with people and leaders. And I pray that myself would take a further step in union with Christ. And I pray for a lot of people that would take a further step and that there are others who would simply start and say, I want, to, I want it to be beauty and not duty and start there. Thank you, Lord, for your glory that is here now, that, that we hear with our ears, that we feel, and that we will know fully one day in ultimate glory with you. That is real. That is the only thing that is real. It's, it's you in us forever. In Jesus' name, amen.